marks something kind of special. Uh, I've been doing this, I don't know how many years. I want to say probably a couple years after I've been pastoring. Um, but I just wanted to say today is pretty interesting because it's the Vision Sunday, if you will. It's the, the one Sunday a year where I discern and listen to God and hear from him, what does this year represent for us as a church? What does 2019 look at, look like for us as a church? We talked about 2018, 2017, 2016, 15, and 14 with the church, but what does 2019 look for us specifically this year? Um, it's really unique, and it's special. I, in preparation for the number 19, God just kept pointing it out, 19, 19. So first thing I did, well, obviously if he keeps pointing out the number 19, I need to look into the Bible. Where, where, is it, where does the Bible talk about number 19? Um, 19 is a very hard number to find in the Bible. It's, it's very easy to gloss past. It appears only three times. And a couple of times it talks about 119, which is not the number that God told me to look up. 19, which narrows it down to an occurrence in the Bible. And in looking it up, it's really unique for our church. Let's read through the scripture. Joshua chapter 19, verse 32 to 39. The land of Naphtali. The sixth lot, by the way, giving context, because I know the context, you do not. This is the moment where all of, all of the Israelites went into the land, they conquered cities, and now they're dividing up the inheritance of the lands. The sixth lot came out of the children of Nephtali. For the children of Nephtali, according to their families and their border, began at Hephel, enclosing the territory from Terebinth Tree and Zananim. Abana. I'm going to skip some of these cities. You can please feel free to read them. But going down into verse 38. Iron, Migdal-el, Horim, Bethanith, and Beth Shemesh, 19 cities. Everyone say 19. 19 cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Naphtali according to their families, the cities and their villages. 19. It's really unique because up to this point, up to this point, these children, these people who had these promises had been living on just the promise of God with nothing tangible. They had nothing to show for it except for God was just there. He's like, I will give you a land flowing of milk and honey. And they're like, okay, great. And then they left their captives. They've left slavery. They left everything, traveled through a desert for years, and now have moved into this land, conquered cities, conquered tribes, did all these different things, and still had nothing to show from it. They had been toiling this whole time, and now they're living in a land of promise, but it, it wasn't like tangible. It wasn't theirs. It wasn't said, okay, you get this spot. They didn't have that yet. It was just, we're going as a tribe, and we're going to conquer cities. And now, suddenly, they receive something. This number 19 represents the tangible promise of God 
coming to fruition. That's what it represents here. All of a sudden, what was a promise became physical and touchable. Before they were like, yes, we're going to follow you because you're God. You love us and you will provide for us. And they just kept doing it. And there are sometimes so many frustrations with that. It's like you can just be wrestling and wrestling and wrestling and frustrated when you're living in the land of promise where the promise kind of isn't coming true yet. That's frustrating. Have you ever been there where you just felt like you're just wrestling over and over and over and you're just toiling and you're like, God, you gave me a promise. I just want this to happen already. Come on. We've all been there. We've all been in the state of wrestling. You, you know what's kind of funny about this scripture? These people, they're, they're the tribe of Naphtali. They receive this inheritance, but do you know their, their name meaning is wrestling, to wrestle, to have strife, to have frustration? <laughs> I love it, because we've all been there. It's not fun when you're in the middle of frustration, but it's fun when you're stepping out of it and you look back and you're like, man, I'm a better person because of that. I didn't like being in the land of frustration for that long but I made it through. Uh, I love this story because it, it, it ties three things together. It ties in the wrestling of frustration. It ties in living in promise with nothing tangible. And it talks about the inheritance moment. And this, this year, with what we're doing in our church this is the first year we're implementing the foundation of what the vision of the promise that God has given us over this church. We're implementing that. The foundation starts this year. And I thought it was so neat as, as God was pointing out the number 19, and it has to do with these three aspects, but then the fact that we already started putting into motion what our church vision is and we're accomplishing it, this inheritance, this promise is becoming tangible in our church. Uh, and I want to extend that to say, it's, this promise isn't just for our church, but it's for us individually. And areas that you've been toiling with for so long. Not to give up hope, but to say, God, I, I want to start seeing this inheritance come to fruition. I want to start seeing these things happen. You know what's interesting? I can almost sense it. There's, there's a glimmer of hope in almost every single person's mind here, and you know exactly the thing that you've been struggling with for so long. There's a glimmer of hope of the words I'm saying, but in the back of your mind, you're saying, well, you know what? It's been so long. I, I don't know if it'll happen. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, that's going to extend your waiting because the frustration time is the testing time to live by faith. Don't allow the back of your mind to steal away what God is trying to do in you this year. <laughs> Number one, wrestling. It's a great place to start with. Wrestling. Naphtali, 
The name means wrestling, to struggle. But eventually prevail if you don't quit. In tracking with the story of the children of Israel, they started in bondage and slavery and were being used as workers to build another man's vision, Pharaoh. And God said, no, I don't want you to build his vision anymore. I want you to build my vision, be my people. And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 17, God says, and I promise that I will bring you out, up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Amorites, and, and Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the ites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Exodus 3.17. When you're wrestling, and you're toiling, and you're doing all these different things, God wants you to do three things in those moments when you're wrestling. A, he wants you to discover God. He wants you to discover him. Did you know those people sat in slavery, what was it, 400 years? That's, that's longer than I've been on this planet. That's longer than any of us have been on this planet, in this room. That's craziness. And during that time, they had to discover God. There's other verses that talks about God hearing their cries out for him. He started hearing them cry because they discovered who he was. When you're in a state of wrestling and strife and frustration, discover God. You might already know God, but have you discovered all his facets and promises and everything that he entails? Because everything that God is is much bigger than any of us can fathom. So I guarantee there's something still to learn from God. B, discover God's promise. I love it. It says, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. One of the best things you can do when you're frustrated and wrestling with whatever you've got going on Turn to the word of God and discover what God's promises are over that thing. If you're dealing with sickness and disease, what does the Bible say about sickness and disease? Look it up and start putting on little sticky notes all over your house and your car. Not in your windshield because I don't want you to crash. But other places inside your car. Promises. What If you're dealing with finances, what does God say about finances what does he say about prosperity what does he say about providing what 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 are the promises discover the promises god has for you and when you're in a, when you're in wrestling state and affliction see leave affliction behind look and i promise you that i will bring you up out of the affliction of egypt Think about that for a second. God's goal is to bring you up out of the affliction and leave it there. See how many people deal with affliction and frustration in their life and they get out of the situation, but they decide to keep the frustration with them into the next season? It's silly, but we all do it. And so did the Egyptians. Because they were brought out of Egypt 
their affliction was not left there. They are brought out of Egypt, and they went into the promise immediately, right? No. They had to wander for 40 years because God had to take Egypt out of them. He had to take the affliction out of them. He had to take the frustration out of them. They weren't giving up everything that they had with them. They had to remove all the idolatry. They had to remove all the different things. And when they still got out of the desert, they showed up at Mount Sinai and started building an idol. And God's like, you just spent 40 years. You, you really aren't over it yet? It's like, all right, let's do this again. <laughs> God wants us to leave affliction behind. When we're wrestling, do not hold that baggage into your next season. Because your, your promise season will last longer and longer and longer. And it'll take, even, it'll take even longer to get to your inheritance season. Don't do it. Wrestling. Wrestling is the moment that drives us out of almost like bondage, if you will, and into promise. That's, that's what this does. All right, let's talk about living on promise. Living on promise. So what do you do when you know God, you know he has a plan for your life, but nothing seems to be kicking over into the fullness that you had expected? Have you ever, um, the, the example of this, the illustration that just kind of popped in my mind, have you ever had um, a car situation where like, it always starts, it's always ready to go, but then, like, one day you go, and you're just like, I'm turning the key. Come on, engine, turn on. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments? And you're like, no. This morning? Oh, awesome. <laughs> Great illustration. Sorry, um, uh, salt in the wound, Janelle. <laughs> the car goes, and it doesn't start. Everything is there, but it's not working. That's, that's the season of promise. Everything is there, but it can be frustrating because it might not, like, kick over. Well, God, you promised me I'm saved, I'm delivered, but why do, why do I feel sick? This doesn't make sense. It's a land of promise. This can be a season of discouragement if you let it, a season of doubt if you let it, kind of funny because it's the season of promise is contingent on you on how long you stay there how long you dwell there you're not really frustrated and wrestling anymore you, you came out of all the bondage you have Jesus but you don't really know what you have to show for it it's like uh, I have faith can you can you show me um no, <laughs> I got it though. I know it's in me. But you don't have the inheritance. You don't have the tangible stuff. Joshua 1, 5 through 6 says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And I was, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. We're still following the story of the Israelites. 
we started with them in bondage, wrestling, they're out of it. Now we're talking about them standing on the border, about to receive the inheritance. That's like the promise season. The desert's behind me, thank God, (laughs) you know? But now I'm standing here, and now I got work to do? I thought I was going to inherit it. Well, kind of. You still have to go through a promise season. You can't inherit something before you've gone through testing, or else it could just go bad. So they, they've stepped out of this wrestling season, and they're coming into this promise season, and they're standing there about to enter, and God says these words. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one will be able to stand against you. So number two, how do we live living on promise? How do, how do we live in a promise season? How do we, how do we do that? without going crazy. A, the person in the mirror. The person in the mirror. This point won't make sense until I explain it. The person in the mirror. Because in the scripture it says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one will. However, you can stand against yourself. There's no promise against that. You have the option to be negative, to be frustrated, to be hurt, to be all the stuff, or you can stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to live on God's promise, and I'm not going to deviate. I'm not going to allow my mind to say, well, it failed before, it's going to fail again. Well, the person I'm married to is, is awful, and they'll never change. I'm just kidding, Patty. She's probably going to listen to this later. but God says no one can stand against you it doesn't say you can't you can be your own worst enemy or you can be your best supporter you need to go after it B how do we we stand in, in promise God is with us How do we sustain in the season of promise? God is with us. Going back to scripture, no one will be able to stand against us, against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. How how do you live through the land of promise? You got to remember God's with you. Through thick and through thin, you got someone with you. You're not alone. In, in praying for the scripture and, and this sermon, during this point specifically, um, God is really speaking to me about why people become depressed. I wrote this. People become depressed typically because they feel they don't have anyone alongside of them, one. They don't have a key focus or purpose, that's two. And three, They don't have a place that feels right, meaning a place to implement their purpose. So many times people get depressed and so sidetracked or fall into sin because of these things. They feel like they don't have anyone with them. They don't have something to focus on, and they don't have a place to focus that thing. And, And they just deviate. 
they can spiral down in depression. They, they fall into sin. They fall into whatever else they want to fall into. It's so funny. I, I was praying over this, and God was giving me this insight into how people get sidetracked so easily. And I just saw this image of God showing that person as those items were like a rock in the shoe. Where it was like, just just annoying enough, just frustrating enough where they, you know, like most of us were like, okay, I just need to stop walking for a second and just take this out, you know, and just dump it out. But sometimes people will just tolerate it and just deal with it later on. But if you leave a big enough rock in your shoe for long enough, it can start to cut you. It can start to cause a scab or a sore. And it's, this is the insight of God places this feeling of want and need and hunger in us so we'll go after our purpose in life it's like the rock in the shoe but left unchecked and unobtained it can lead to depression it it is something that god uses to bless us to push us forward into what we're going to do but sometimes we miss it and we can just go off the deep end with it but remember God is with us. God is with us. C, the last thing when we're living in a state of promise, be strong and courageous. Going back to scripture, verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. In moments when you feel like you're going to give up and you just can't live and and you can't go forward with anything. God's saying, (laughs) pick yourself up and be strong and be courageous. It's all a mental state kind of thing. Have you ever, um, have you ever been camping or in a, like a sleepover, a summer party and all of a sudden like everyone's hanging out and you're like laughing and it's all exciting and fun. But then all of a sudden one person tells like like something like a little scary. And all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, I'm a little scared now. Oh, now I'm a little scared. And all of a sudden it's just like it's snowball effects so great. And then everyone's just terrified like, you know, like the sleeping bag's like all the way around. Because little things can snowball and go forward really fast. And God's saying don't allow your mental state to even allow one ounce of fear to come in because if you are strong and courageous you will accomplish what god has called you to do be strong and courageous three receiving inheritance receiving inheritance this is what this year is all about we're starting to receive the inheritance. We're starting to receive the promises that God has spoken over us. That's what this entire year represents, the number 19. It means God has promised us things in this church that we've been believing for and hoping for, and it starts this year. We're receiving tangible evidence that God's promises are coming to fruition. That's what this year represents. And I thought it was so unique. We had our God Dreams meeting uh, last Sunday, right? Last Sunday. And we started putting on the calendar items for the foundation of our vision. That's launching real quick. 
and it's tangible. It's, it, you can feel it. You can sense it. Promises from God are starting. Receiving inheritance. I would be remiss if I, if I didn't just say, if I just said, hey, awesome, we're receiving inheritance. This is fantastic. It's great. Let's run with it. I got to get the pros and the cons or else I'd fail you as a pastor. Because there are some very specific, um, is it pros and cons? What's the word? Um, warnings and benefits, if you will, to receiving an inheritance. Jesus even talked about receiving an inheritance, and he spoke a lot on receiving inheritance. So we're going to dive into the story of um, the prodigal son. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother, older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Can we just pause right there? That is some crazy dancing. If you're that far away and you're able to hear people dance, that's got to be loud. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, he has him back home safe and sound. It's really interesting. And I don't have time on a whole Sunday to go into all this. But one thing that's really interesting about the prodigal son is the actions that he took when he went off on his own parallel the actions that happened when he came back. They actually match up point for point. And it, it's, it's really wild. One is individualistic and one is community-based. One is alone and one is surrounded. And it's really interesting of what happens when inheritance occurs. Receiving inheritance. A, inheritance represents tangible evidence of promises. Inheritance represents tangible evidence of promise. That might be the longest subpoint I've ever had, an amount of words. Inheritance represents tangible evidence of promises. We will be receiving tangible evidence of God's promise over our church, and I fully believe individually too in our lives. I, I don't think we will go this year without seeing even a start of God giving us inheritance for promises that we've had. B, true inheritance comes after testing. One thing I thought was really interesting about the prodigal son is he received an inheritance and then went to a foreign land, squandered it all, lost it all, party with random people that weren't even his family or friends, <laughs> lost everything, 
and then came back to his father. And his father gave him a real inheritance. It's really interesting. He gave him things that he never had before. The ring off of his finger, which you know was a family heirloom. The fatted calf, which was the family cow. And the robe, his own jacket, this represented the mantle of the household. See, before he was just given some things to kind of get by and party with, which really wasn't an inheritance at all. It was just a monetary value. But he went through testing, and his testing was, does he genuinely love his community, his family? And he comes back, asks for forgiveness, and wants to rejoin this, and his father gives him the true inheritance. Where in a church... My dad just tried video calling me on my tablet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hello, dad. I'll call you back later. As a church and as individuals, don't discount failed promises from God of what you thought was a failed promise. There are some things that you're going through on testing right now. You might have said, well, God promises, and I started seeing it. Well, that happened in the Bible. He was learning a life lesson, and when he learned his lesson, when he was tested, all of a sudden, the genuine, real inheritance came to fruition. Don't discount being tested. Because what has not been tested cannot be trusted. I've said it before. <laughs> I, always, I always love the illustration. Um, I don't want to hop in an airplane with a pilot who has not been tested on flying an airplane. I want to make sure he knows what he's doing. Likewise, God wants to know what we're doing. He, he tests us. He, he, puts, he puts us through things, and he allows us to discover who we are and refine our purpose, and refine everything that we are. Don't discount it. True inheritance is coming. Don't squander away what God, what little he has given you, because you, it's a refining time. Be faithful what little you've gotten because all of a sudden the true inheritance is coming. What's the verse say? Be faithful with little. You guys can respond back. And see, I like how there's a dialogue on this one scripture going on. <laughs> see, inheritance belongs with community. Inheritance belongs with community. I found it really interesting that the son went to a foreign land and was surrounded by people, but they weren't his community. How do we know that? Because they abandoned him when his money dried up. He, they were gone. That's not his community. And then when he was broke, desperate, scraggly, smelling like pigs, eating pig food, showed up his family, they threw him a party where the dancing could be heard in the sheep pasture. Community is critical. Your inheritance will always be found and flourish when you're in your community.
this year, it's all about seeing the tangible promises of God start. That's what this year is about. It's going to start happening over and over and over. And, and I love it because we've already had precursor things happen. Things that aren't like these monumental breakthrough things where you're like, oh my goodness. But like the little things have already started happening. They're amazing. Could, could I, would I be able to share about the, the crock pot? Could I share that story? Is that fine? Like the, these promises that are being inherited are so cool. Little things are happening. Uh, you were sharing a story of how um, with the, the crock pot and how you, you needed one or you had whatever, and she went into her garage, started cleaning up, and all of a sudden she found a crock pot out of nowhere. Like, you were like, where did this even come from? <laughs> and it's like these little promises that God has had for us becoming tangible. And don't discount the small things because that's God showing up. You might just have one thing in your mind to see, but don't be blinded because God is moving all around us. Look for the little things because God's moving. And a tea set. Two things in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> That's really cool. And then God shows up. That's really cool. Let's pray. Lord, in this year, Allow us to see you show up. Allow us not to just be hyper-focused on one area and looking for this one thing to happen, but God, you're showing up in a million little things around us. Your, your promise is becoming tangible. That's what this year represents. The number 19. Lord, some of us have wrestled and fought and been frustrated for so long. Let's leave that in the past just like the Israelites had to do and move forward into our calling and purpose and start seeing your promises happen, God. In your mighty name, amen.